Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. I didn't bring any, I didn't bring any snacks. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm sorry to say. That's okay. They, uh, I'll, I'll survive. You'll, you'll uh, manage to get you'll manage to I'll get, get through. Yeah, yeah. I'll get through. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be in our new studio. It today. is. Yeah. Uh, it looks beautiful. Yeah. We, we look very professional. And I've even got a clock well, up there. Well, the studio looks yeah. very professional. Yeah, that's too. right. I don't know what we do. That's exactly <laughs> right. And we've got a clock up there, Matt, so that we actually know oh, how, good long idea. Been, how long we've been chatting yeah, for. Yeah, good. So that we don't okay. have any three-hour... Uh, podcast yeah, here, but uh, very good. It's exciting to be back into Thrive Deeper. We're up to episode one hundred and forty-two, continuing in the Book of Romans. Oh, we got some juicy stuff today. We Steve. sure have. I've got some good most, questions. You know, this is possibly the most perplexing chapter. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, in in the New Testament, uh, yeah. a lot of people sort of agonise over this. It's actually very beautiful in, in many ways. It's uh, it's a, it's uh, it's beautiful in in what you know what it's doing, but um, it's going to take a bit of explanation. It is. And yeah. I'm really looking forward to you explaining it, Matt, and me asking <laughs> all the killer questions. So uh, we're, we're going to be looking at Romans 9, chapter 9 through to chapter 11 today. Mm. Um, and, and I think probably it would be fair to say this is Paul now addressing kind of the argument coming from the Jews and the Roman church at that point in time about, well, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for Israel? What does that mean in terms of God's promises to yeah. us and God's purposes through uh, through um, Israel and and Paul then sort of speaking to that as we head into chapter nine. Yeah, so at the beginning of chapter three, uh, the question was raised about what advantage there was. Yes, in being a Jew, if if everyone's alike, saved by faith, and uh, that raises the question. So what 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 about all of that? Yeah, that's right. You know, all of that stuff about the covenant and God's covenant with the Jewish people and the promise. Uh, does that yep. you know? Does that mean you know? D- does that now not mean anything? Mm. And Paul is is going to say resoundingly, no, that really means something. And uh, and he's now really returning to that question. So he started answering that question. He anticipated. Uh, the answer at the beginning of chapter three, and now he he comes back to that, mm. and uh, of course th- there's the segue here too it comes from the end of chapter eight because he's talked about the fact that you know we're more than conquerors. You know I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither you know will it be able to separate, separate us, us. Mm. Uh, from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So that raises the question then. Uh, okay, well if nothing will separate us from you know, if, God, if God's commitment to his people is such that nothing can separate us, well, what about the Jewish people? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, what about God's covenant love with the Jewish people and, that and raises we, that question? Yeah, exactly. And if, if if we can't trust God's promise in that, well, can we trust any of the other promises? Yeah, in that case, exactly. God's going to change yeah. his mind. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly right. So the first thing he does is express his own heart. For It's interesting, uh, Paul you know, was called to go to the Gentiles, but he, he always went first to the Jews. That was his his. Mm. And, and he understood that that's, you know, in a sense, God's. It's not that it's not about favoritism; it's priority in God's purpose. I'm going yeah. to go to the Jewish people <clears throat> first because they're they are the ones that are meant to be the instruments of this message. Yes, uh, to initiate, you know, to spread this message, which was actually the case because, of course, Paul himself is is a Jewish person, and, mm. and some of the key um, carriers of the of the gospel of Jesus Christ in those early years. I mean, they were all initially they were all Jewish, Jewish people, yeah. so that was happening. So. Paul is giving them the opportunity always as he travels around to fulfill that mandate. And um, uh, and he expresses here his heart 
for for his own people, uh, you know. And uh, you know, he says, you know, theirs is the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Uh, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah. So, uh, so now he's going to deal with the issue of whether God's word had failed. Yes. You know, because, okay, the big and very obvious issue here is that the Messiah has come. Well, a couple of issues, actually. First of all, the Jewish people rejected yes. uh, their Messiah. Not not everyone. No. Uh, but the Jewish people. Have, and, and largely, where wherever Paul has gone, there was a number of Jewish people did uh, receive yeah. uh, the gospel of Christ. And, and just before we move on, yeah. that, that not everyone, I think, is a really good point, because often in, in this particular passage, it talks about all of Israel and, and yeah. everyone and or the Jewish people. It yeah. doesn't mean every last man. No, it's that's right. It's meaning, in a general sense, yeah. this group of people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a good point. So... Um, you know, so so he's conscious of the fact that well, it, it, has this failed then? Yes. Is this a failed thing? I mean, it's a really good. It's a really good question. And basically, what he's going to to point out is that um, there is this process uh, throughout biblical history whereby God constantly refined mm-hmm. who who was who were going to be the people of promise. I mean, everyone was under the blessing, but there's this constant refining uh, process. I think, Stu, actually, given the complexity uh, of this chapter, we might actually read uh, read through sections of it. I'll make some comments as we go. Otherwise... Uh, otherwise, our listeners are not going to have any clue of what yeah, we're no, talking about. Good. Now, can, can I say to I invite you, if you're listening, to lean into this because it is really an important chapter, and, and I'm going to try and. Uh, it, it does make sense within the right sort of framework, so which is why I'm going to read uh, through this so that we can, you know, get a handle on this. That's great. So he says, uh, it's not as though God's word had failed, for, for all who are descended from, uh, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. So mm. there was, you know, That's uh, right. of, there, there was uh, uh, Hagar's child, Ishmael, Ishmael, and there was Isaac. Yeah. And, you know, Isaac was the line through which, uh, through which the promise went. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it's the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Mm. But this is how the promise was stated at the appointed time. I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, and then he goes to the next generation, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, mm. in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Now, I'm going to get to the next yeah, verse right. in a moment, yep. but it's just so that we don't get distracted. What, he's, what he wants to say is that um, the... The key thing here is that it's all it's it's we don't we don't win our membership by our works or by our law keeping or you know because the idea here is hey um, I'm a law abiding Jew that's that means something Merit. well exactly. uh, well um, well not if you think you've, you're earning it yes because it's not about earning it actually it's about it's about faith in God's promise mm-hmm. it's receiving you know so and in a sense we become children of the promise mm-hmm. when we put our faith. In God's promise, which if we go back right back to Abraham or Abram yeah. at the time, 
it was only his faith. Nothing yeah. he had done, yeah. but his faith that was Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right so, um, uh, so he says then in verse 13, just as it is written, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated. Okay, so he's saying, let me just go back a step. Um, yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, mm. but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated. Now, what that's talking about, that's a quote from Malachi, yeah. and it's not referring to individuals right. in, in Malachi. Yeah. This is not, it's not saying, uh, oh, I love this person, but I hate that person. Uh, in, in the context of Malachi, it's talking about Israel and the Edom. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And by that stage, the Edomites had uh, set themselves against God's covenant people mm. and were, in, in this sense, under the curse because the covenant goes, those who curse you, I will curse. So... Um, so it's actually talking about in the in the context of Malachi where this quote is from it's actually talking about these two nations. Right. Now what he's pointed out what he's pointing out here he's saying um that it was it was determined before the the older will serve the younger. Okay? So it's all about God's promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the older will serve the younger. And we see and he's saying we see that in history because if you go forward to the time of Malachi we see that the you know the Edomites uh, when, were, had shut themselves out of the promise, even though, because interestingly, in the story of Esau, Esau actually was blessed significantly in the end. Yes. Because at the end of the story of Jacob and Esau, the brothers reconciled mm. and uh, and Esau blessed Jacob and those who bless you I will bless. And so the end of the story of, of Esau is that he was abundantly blessed by God, okay? Mm. But his descendants uh, ended up drifting away. And so what Paul is saying is that None of this, and this is, I guess, the point here, because the issue here is, has this failed? Has God's plan failed? Yeah. No, he's saying God's plan doesn't fail. Uh, what looks like this refining process of this constant refining of who are going to be God's people, this is actually, the, we, we see that this is the way that God has always worked. Yes. So it's not failure. It's just the pattern of it's just the pattern of this refining process. Yeah. Okay, it's not this one, but it's this one. Uh, it's not this one, but it's this one. Mm. And it's uh, and so that's he's saying, you know. So he's pointing out the biblical precedent uh, to this um, to this experience that they're having that there is a remnant of Jewish people yes. uh, who have believed in Christ, but there's a lot a lot that hasn't. And that looks like failure to him. But Paul is saying, no, 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 it's it's not failure. Um, it's just the way that it's the way that it works. Yep. So notice here the strong emphasis is a very Jewish idea that in our in our kind of post uh, rationalism world is very yeah. is very difficult for us. Uh, this is this idea that there that in in some unfathomable sense, God is sovereign to the extent that. Uh, that even even through the the chaos of history and and the and and what looks like imperfection and, and human rebellion, yet somehow in all of that, God's sovereign purpose is realized. Yes. Uh, that this does none of this takes God by surprise. Yep. Uh, in fact, it's even in some sense predetermined. Mm. I, now I say in some sense mm. 
because um, we, we can't quite fathom in what sense. And this is when you get too analytical about this and you try and break this down logically. Yeah. Just it's, it's a brain twister. It's trying to understand the sovereignty of God in yeah. tension with the responsibility of human. Yeah. You know. Now, it's interesting to <clears> note <throat> then, because Paul anticipates this difficulty, yeah. okay? Uh, he, he anticipates this logical difficulty. And he does because, you know, first, first and foremost, he's a Jewish thinker. And, and as a Jewish thinker, he doesn't have a problem with paradoxes like this because God is outside space-time logic. Yep. Uh, and, so, and so, in a way... This this doesn't make things unfair. There's still a strong emphasis throughout Paul's writings on human responsibility. You know that that we, in some sense, still have this um, this right to self determine. We have we have a you know uh, whoever is saved are those who respond to God, and That's so right. there's a yep. there's always this strong sense of human responsibility. It doesn't take away from that. Now the thing about this this unfathomable sense of divine determinism and human responsibility is logically they don't fit together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but Paul's perspective is they don't have to because, because as the uh, philosopher Bla- uh, Christian philosopher Blaise Pascal said, with God, a hundred contradictions might be true. It's, yes. Because he's outside space, yes. time, logic. Yeah. You in, know. in a sense, what it really does is it, it just highlights the gap between the creator's mind yeah. And the creation's wife. That's we right. We just can't fathom it. So it's actually just, instead of us saying, well, the creator must have made a mistake, we, we ought to be saying, we just can't fathom. Yeah, that's the, right. The we, that's mind, right. And know? so if we try, and, and, you know, at the end of chapter 11, at the end of this whole section, Paul finishes, actually, uh, not with a sort of lament over, oh, this is all so terribly difficult to understand. Why couldn't God just do things in a way that we, you know, we, we understand? I mean, God created logic, so yes. lo- it's logic doesn't, isn't against God. No. But, you know, but God is beyond logic. No, actually, at the end, he celebrates this mm. uh, in this you know, beautiful doxology in 11 from th- verse 33. He said, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable mm. his judgments mm. and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord mm. or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him and from him and through him are all things to him be the glory forever. So, you know, he acknowledges this, but it isn't, it, it isn't a, problem to a, a problem to him. It's yeah. actually, it's actually wonderful because God's, God is above, so far above everything, and and he's he's got this, yeah. you know. God, nothing is out of God's uh, realm of of sovereignty. But of course, as a as also a, a trained philosophical thinker in the in in the Greek traditions, Paul is aware of the logical difficulties. So he, it's interesting where he goes on uh, here. He says, um, "What shall we say then? Is God unjust?" Uh, not at all, he says. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It's interesting how he, how he deals with this. God does whatever he wants. He's God. Uh, and um, so he goes on in verse 16. He says, it does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For a scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you Mm. and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Now, one of you will say to me, Paul says, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? So that's the logical thing. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, we see God's sovereignty at work here. 
God is, and and he's leaning into the sense in which God, uh, he opens people's hearts mm. and he closes people's hearts. Now, now the the um, when I say uh, probably not opening and closing, but softening and hardening, yes, right. is the imagery used here. Now we know. If, from those contexts, that this the softening of people's hearts and the hardening of people's hearts is is in some way explained by what Jesus says in um, Matthew thirteen, where Jesus says to those to those who have more will be given, mm. but those who do not have even what they have will be taken away from from them. Mm. And Jesus is saying this if he's told the parable of the of the seed being sown on good soil, yep. you know, yep. uh, that some seed was among the weeds, some on the rocks, some on yes. the path, okay? And he says, not everyone's, Jesus says, not everyone's going to get this, all right? Yes. Only those who have, the, only the good soil, only th- those who have willing and faith, faith-filled hearts, yes. they, they are going to get it. And um, because the context is... Uh, that the disciples are asking Jesus in that context, why do you speak in parables? And he says, so that hearing they may not hear. So in a way, what he's saying is that I am, I'm speaking in a way that those who are willing will get it, but those who are not won't get it. Yeah. It's like this yeah. polarizing effect. I, I made a note on that kind of saying God is willing to harden the heart of those who are disobedient to his revelation. <clears throat> but equally, yeah. God is willing to create conditions that motivate, motivate the wayward person toward him. Yeah. Equally so. Yeah, know, that, yeah that's right. Ways, yeah. You know. I mean, there's plenty of... Uh, there's, and again, in, in when you come to issues like this, it's always good to ask, what else does the Bible talk about? Because this is a big theme in yes. the Bible, the, the fact that, that if there is disobedience, God will in some sense give that person over to their disobedience. So if, if there's a hard heart, he will further harden that heart so that the hardness of the heart actually... Uh, is is noticed, yes. and he's actually the, he started the letter of Romans with that very idea. Mm. In Romans chapter one, it says um, you know, that God gave them over to a depraved mind, right? Yeah. Not because God was abandoning them, but so that their de- their depravity and their hard heartedness would actually become that they aware. would feel that yeah, that we'd right. become aware of that, right? Mm. So, um, so this is part of God's purpose, like you know th- that for those who are willing. And you know, if you're willing to receive, he will soften your heart further. Yes. But if you've got a hard heart, he will harden, harden your foot because it has this polarizing effect. So this is this is what he's talking about mm. uh, here. So he's talking about the sovereignty of God and the way that God does this. But it brings up this rush, this kind of rational dilemma. Uh, well, if God's sovereign in softening hearts, and 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 if in a sense, I can only really respond to God. With God's help, the help of God's Spirit, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again of yeah. the Spirit. Jesus yeah. said in John chapter four. Uh, so the the natural question is, well, why does God still blameless? Yeah, for who is th- this? Is how he articulates mm, it in verse mm, nineteen. Mm. One of you will say, why? then does God still blame us for who is able to resist his will? Now, what you expect here is that he's going to, oh, okay, let me explain this logically to you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a logical explanation, uh, you know, that God, and, and, and there are in theology, there are lots of logical explanations. Oh, no, they do fit together logically. Uh, and, and then we get, you know, lots of, and often rational explanations, which, to me, actually compromise the sovereignty of God in some sense, in, in a desire to make it more understandable. Okay, yeah, um, good. But it's interesting to note what 
where Paul, what Paul's response to this uh, dilemma is, uh, you know, one of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us for who is able to resist his will? Verse 20, Paul says, but who are you? A human being to talk back to God. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some uh, for common use? And then he does a what if, right? And this doesn't mean that this is the case. He just says, uh, what if, verse 22, what if, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, Sorry, what if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles? It's a it, like God is God. And, yes. and if he if this is what he wants to do, then who are you, uh, oh, uh, you know, a human being to talk back to God and think that you deserve a rational explanation of? Things that you can't fathom, or that exactly, or that you could even fathom that as the creation. Yeah, even if you got the answer. So yeah. here again, he answers a kind of Greek, very Greek kind of philosophical. Let's make it all logical line of thinking with uh, a Jewish perspective, mm. which is exemplified so beautifully, of course, Stu, in the book of Job. Yes, exactly right. In the book of Job, we have this seemingly senseless uh, suffering uh, of Job, and throughout the book you've got these questions, and and, you know, they're trying to understand, well, why has this happened to you? There must be an explanation. must be because you sinned. And, you know, and Job is asking these questions, why, why, why? When God turns up, God says basically what Paul says, who who are you? Who are you to even think that you can, even if I wanted to, even if I, you know, even if I was obliged to give you an answer, mm, says, exactly, yeah. you, you couldn't even begin to fathom the the ways of God. Yeah. So our appropriate posture before the God, the Creator, is, is submission, not questioning. That's yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. We just need to submit to understand yeah. that we can't understand it, and we have yeah. to trust in faith. Yeah, that God's that's right. purposes will be. Working. It was interesting. I was, I was, and we better move on. Uh, um, uh, but um, I was listening to a debate uh, around this this very issue, and it's you know it was an interesting debate in people trying to grapple, I guess, with with the uh, sort of seeming illogical illogicality of and wanting to make it logical and trying to think how this divine sovereignty and human responsibility can fit together, and mm. and in the end, it was just all a bit too logical. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just. You've just got to stand back in wonder and say, God is God. I don't understand it. And I'm not always entitled to understand everything that come, you know, that comes from the ways of God. Absolutely. So, you know, um, we'll move on. Uh, we'll move forward then uh, in, cause he comes, he continues to discuss this then, um, in, in chapter 10, uh, and he talks a bit there in chapter 10 around how the Jewish nation had become, you know, pursuing mm. righteousness out of merit, you know, the, the, yeah. kind of the religious religiosity of, of what had become yeah, uh, that's right. faith at that point in time. Yeah. Um, and he talks a bit about that towards the end of yeah. chapter 9 and into so, chapter 10. So in a, actually just at the end of chapter 9, mm. you know, he, he's, as he says in Hosea, it says, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. Yeah. This is, again, God, God can do whatever he wants. And and Paul is underscoring that to say in order to say what God wanted was to give grace to the undeserving. Yes. That is what God wanted. Mm. He it wasn't about 
um, giving credit to those who, who to whom it was due. Uh, now, it's not that God doesn't do that. Uh, and it's not that God is unjust, but actually what God really wanted to do was to show mercy. Yeah, and he wanted to do that through the nation of Israel. Yeah. In reality. Yeah, that's they right. Would be a, they were blessed to be a blessing. Yeah, that's right. You know, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, Genesis yeah. 12. Yeah, Abram. that's right. So he's, he quotes a whole lot of scriptures yeah. that show that in the purpose of God, uh, it was always God's purpose mm. to actually call a people his people mm-hmm. who were not originally part of that people. So, um, Well, Abram was the first gen- was a Gentile, let's face yeah. it, until he was called yeah, to that's be right. Jew, you know. So in a sense, he's saying that this, you know, that this, what, what Paul laments at the start, which is the fact that, look, a lot of Jewish people have in, in, in that first century had rejected the gospel. Mm. He's again, he's saying this did not take God by surprise. No, that's right. This was already part of God's purpose. Mm. And actually this is this led to uh you know uh to the bringing in of the Gentiles in a way. You know, I mm. mean and for mm. Paul's experience, you know, he he went to the Jewish people. First they rejected it. So he says, okay, I'm going I'm going to the Gentiles. Mm. Um, and and, and yeah. God's blessing of the Jewish people was so that they could be his missionaries to yeah. take the good that's news right. of yeah, salvation exactly. to the rest of the world. Yeah. But they didn't, as you say. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, so he goes on in chapter 10. He says, he says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Mm-hmm. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal isn't based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness of God and they sought to establish their own righteousness. Yeah. Um, so uh, he, he goes into a, there's a very complex section in the minutes of this that I'm not even going to begin to deal with now until we get too bogged in, in the details. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he says um, that it's, it's actually really important that we, you know, that they, uh, they, they still need to hear the good news. We're still going to get, yeah. we, we're still committed uh, to going to the Jewish people and sharing the good news um, uh, to them. So that's in chapter 10 and we're f- flying over this, but, in chapter eleven, he says, uh, and this is this is a crucial thing for Paul. I ask then, because this is about this is the covenant issue. Is God? What about God's faithfulness to His people to the Jewish people? Yeah. Is is that? And and I think the key idea here is have have the Gentiles essentially replaced the, the Jewish Jews. people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now. I mean, there are some people that argue that that mm. would mm. say no. The, the the Gentiles, the Jewish people, are, are not that. That's that's all done with now. They ref, they rejected, and so that there are you know uh, the 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 church in a sense replaces the, the Gentile church replaces, uh, and that's actually he gives a very clear uh, answer to to the. Uh, you know, basically debunking that yes. here. He says, "I asked them, did God reject His people?" By no means, he said, I'm an Israelite myself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. yeah. I'm an Israelite. Yeah. You know, and 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 Paul knows very well that he didn't it, he wasn't in a place of being deserving. He was actually persecuting the church. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Jesus said to Paul, Why do you persecute me? Mm. So he was uh in a sense the worst of the worst of the but but uh you know God broke through to him. And so he says this because, in a sense, Paul is saying, I've enjoyed that commitment of yeah. God to the Jewish people. Yeah. And the remnant in the Old Testament, too, yeah. is a testament to, yeah. to God. Had That's right. given up on his people. You know? That's right. <clears throat> I, that actually underscores uh, an important uh, aspect of why I think Paul is so taken by the sense of the sovereignty of God, mm. that God... Uh, 
you know, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. Because Paul was, he wasn't seeking, he wasn't wanting to know. He wasn't in a position of, uh, you know, a, a faith or, or you there know, softness no of heart. No, I mean, he was at, it, at, at the most, you know, in a place of complete hardness of heart. And yet God broke through to him yeah. in some sovereign way. And so Paul is like, wow. I was so undeserving, and yet God, in His sovereignty and in His mercy, mm. chose me. Like mm. He actually broke through to me. Mm. And sure, Paul had to make a decision. Sure, he made a decision, mm. but uh, he recognizes that there is a wonderful sovereignty in this that he celebrates because yeah. he thinks, "Man, I'm saved because of God's mercy." It wasn't mm. anything that I was. I was going the opposite direction, mm. and, so, and and God's purest form of mercy too, because you know, as human beings, we we. We perhaps show mercy, but usually it's based on sort of some kind of character or some kind of um, merit. It's, yeah. it's really difficult for us just to show mercy for no other reason. <clears throat> that's right. And so we struggle to understand how God would show yeah. mercy with no other reason. Yeah, that's know? right. Like every reason not to show mercy yeah. in some ways. And that's right. and that's the logic because we think, oh, if God shows mercy, it must be warranted exactly. somehow. They've done something. Yeah, or, or, or if, you know, if God gives grace to someone, mm. then they must have done something, uh, you know, uh, but no grace by its very definition is undeserved favor. So what he's going to do here, you know, did God reject his people by no means? This is where he's going to develop that idea of the refining down to the remnant. So Paul is saying, in essence, he's saying, I'm part of a remnant of Jewish people. This is, as you go through Jewish history, you see this constantly happening. You get the 10 tribes, northern tribes of Israel. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, exiled away. You're left with the tribe of Judah, which was absorbed the tribe of Benjamin by that stage. And they became the Jews. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then they went into exile Mm -hmm. and out of exile come, I think there was, you know, there was only really 40, you know, 40,000 of those that came back uh, out of exile. So there was this constant refining process. And and Paul is saying here that this has basically happened again. Mm. There's another big step in this refining process. And he says, I'm part of a Jewish remnant. Um, and so he goes, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't and and the foreknew there is is a strong relational foreknew. Yes. This sense that there was never a time when God didn't love uh, his people. Yeah. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against uh, Israel, Lord, they've killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. This would have been very personal to Paul <laughs> as he goes out to you know the Jewish people with this message, and they're just they're constantly trying to kill him, right? Yep, yep. So he's having this Elijah experience constantly, Paulus, and so I think this would this story would have been close to his heart, and God would have really spoken to him through this. Verse four of Romans eleven, mm. he says, and what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself seven thousand who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, Paul says in verse 5, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Mm. Uh, And he says, I'm part of that remnant. This is for him would have been comforting to know that as Jesus taught, you're going to sow the seeds, but only one quarter according to that. I mean, it's not a precise number, but, you know, there was only some, some of the seed that fell on good soil. Yes. Jesus said it beforehand. Yeah, right. There are some hearts that have been prepared beforehand to receive this message. Mm. Um, uh, what then? Uh, the people of Israel sought so... Uh, so, sorry, says what then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but others were hardened. 
as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear mm. to this very day. Um, you know, and Jesus has the same thing in Matthew 13, the same theme. Yeah. It's difficult, Stu. It is. Yep. You know, and, and but Paul is not apologizing for the difficulty. No. Um, he's warning us against making logical drawing logical conclusions from this difficulty. Mm. So, oh, so our choice has nothing to do with it. No, it absolutely did. A key aspect of, of God's purpose is that he wants a people who love him. Yes. Love is a choice, right? Yeah, it's got to be right. a free choice to be genuine, okay? Yeah. And, and a free choice by, you know, in a logical sense, a choice, a, a genuine sense of a choice freely made mm. is by definition uncaused. Yes. Yep. You know, yep. uh, in in yep. a in a logical sense, that's right? right. That's so. That's this is where this doesn't work, work logically, yep. and this is where people say, "Well, we need to interpret it's this got in to be a way." One or the other. Yeah. So yeah. it's so in in, in that shows that um, that mm. actually no God didn't really, uh, you know, that God wasn't in some sense prior or didn't in some sense determine this, you know. Mm. Um, but I get it logically. Yeah. I, I get that, I, but the fact is, it doesn't take away at all from the importance of mate of that choice. Mm. Um, what it's saying, in a sense, is God is always prior. God's God is always prior mm. in some unfathomable sense. Remember, for God, there's no past, present, and future. That's right. Because uh, we think prior, right? Um, God is always prior in terms of sovereignty for Paul, but God is not prior. Or after, because he's outside of That's time. Right. If you exactly. can, if yeah. you, you know, and, and we can't fathom that. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's where, you know, this is this is difficult. But um, you know, we need to hold on to that, and perhaps with the way that Paul does is to hold on to it, not with a, not lamenting the illogicality of it, but actually celebrating the fact. You know what? In God's sovereignty, uh, I, I I am who it's by grace that yeah. I am who I am yeah. and I just am so thankful it's to the God mystery of God yeah grace. you know um and and we shouldn't you know because some people say well this just seems unjust mm. you know that God just condemns people that he you know he stops them from believing and then condemns them for not believing but all of that is based on logical deduction yeah that's, that's right. not what the scriptures say mm. people say that if you know that we in a sense we choose our own destiny Yes. Uh, you know, no. You know, we all get what we choose in the end, what we freely choose, mm. and uh, and so, um, it's God is just, but He's also sovereign. So, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. so you got to come back to that. So, um, He says again. I ask at the end of chapter eleven, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Yes. I mean. The fact that they rejected Jesus meant that Jesus went to the cross, and the fact that Jesus went to the cross means that there's now forgiveness and grace for all the earth. Yes. <laughs> so he's saying there's an example of sovereignty. Man, that the, that the worst thing that it, that human beings ever did. Think mm. about this: mm. the worst thing that human beings ever did, the greatest crime was to crucify the Son of God, mm. and yet in the sovereignty of God, that meant, you know, that salvation yeah, wow. was great. made possible. Yeah, yeah. For all the peoples of the earth. So in a sense, the Jewish people... Try to explain uh, that logically. Yeah, try to explain that logically. Yeah. So in a sense, uh, you know, the, the, this God's people's rejection of their Messiah actually meant 
salvation in some <laughs> yeah and and this is why he celebrates this at the end of chapter 11 oh yeah. the depths of the wisdom and yeah, the knowledge of god right. i mean you know did, the the you know the jewish rejection of jesus and the, and the crucifixion of jesus did that take god but oh no oh, i've got to come up with a plan b oh okay that'll be an atonement for the no, it was always, it's in yeah, Isaiah 53, yeah, right. you know, clearly spelled out that this all would happen, that he would plan. be despised and rejected and, and that, his, that he would be an atonement yeah. for, for the sins of the world. The world. Yeah. So, um, uh, so he says, uh, but if their transgression mean riches for the world, their loss uh, and their loss riches for the Gentiles, how much greater will their full inclusion bring? And it's interesting, he, he goes on to, in a sense, predict that there w- that the fullness of, of Israel, Israel would be brought yeah. in. I mean, and what he means is the full number of, of those whom God has okay. chosen to yep. be uh, included. Um, he says, I'm talking to you Gentiles as much as I'm a, a, an apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry and hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. Notice, so he comes back to human choice. Like, I want to move them yes. so that they realize and, and make the right decision. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then he warns the Gentiles, now don't get cocky. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Don't you get cocky now yeah. and think, ah, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're the chosen, we're the, chosen. We're the yeah. new chosen. Because he says, uh, verse 17, if some of the branches have been broken off uh, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in along with the others and now share it in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. Mm. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Yeah. You will, th- you know, you will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, he says, verse twenty, mm. but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, He will not spare you either. either. Yeah. So notice, there's a warning there. You need to humility and faith, folks. Yeah. Because otherwise, you'll be lost. Yeah. So you can just say, hang on, but you've just been talking about the yeah, sovereignty yeah. of God, yeah, talking yeah. about, you know, so he's, he's you know, he, he's working with both of these truths yes. in tension together, and clearly. And God's continual refinement continues. Yeah, that's you know, right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, and he goes on to talk, you know, to again, uh, push that warning a little bit. But he says then at the in verse 25, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Yeah. It's a really interesting prophecy it is. here. They've experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Remember, Jesus said that that this gospel will go out to all of the nations of the earth and then the end will come. And what, he's, what Paul seems to be saying uh, here is that there will come a time where there will be a, 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 a great turning back of the nation of Israel. Yeah. Um, uh, and in this way, he says, all Israel will be saved as it is written. A deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. Uh, and this is my covenant with them. I will take away their sins. So he's saying, no, God has promised actually to do something, uh, yep. to do something great among his people. And he's yeah. going to keep his promises. Um, so uh, it's a remarkable uh, you know, it's a remarkable chapter. It's full of paradox, but it's a great exercise in biblical thinking, Stu. I, mm. I, I think uh, don't avoid the chapter. Don't try and make it logical. Mm. Don't try and bend it to your way of thinking. Rather, bend your way of thinking yeah. to this remarkable biblical way of thinking that I think is, 
I think is important for our lives and our attitude before God, because if you're going to try and understand the things of God, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be in a sense, perplexed uh, rather than thankful. Yes. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like, um, you know, that this attitude ultimately leads us to where Paul finishes this chapter. Uh, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing it. I mean, Paul is yearning for his people. He's celebrating the fact that, but that he's saved. I mean, he's, he was the, he considers himself the most undeserving of all his people. Yet he says, man, but God saved me. And he knows, and God can do that too. God can do that to them, to them all. And here he's saying, and one day God will. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thank you.